All right. Uh, follow along with me on your outline. The title of today's message is called Reaching Forth. We have a couple of days uh, today, uh, this Wednesday, and then next Sunday, which as a reminder is our annual vision meeting. It'll be taking place during the Sunday school time. That is not a chance for you guys to sleep in and just hit main service. The vision sets out the vision for what we are going to do for the rest of the year as a church body. And it's going. this message will kind of help prepare you guys for that. will kind of help set the agenda of where I believe God is leading us as a youth ministry. So definitely make sure you're in your place next week for that. Uh, just for you guys to see where our pastor's heart is to where we're going as a church. And so this message is kind of a precursor, an appetizer, if you will, for next Sunday. And that's why I called it Reaching Forth. And at the top of your outline, you see I have Philippians 3.13, which if you recall, I ended our study in Romans in this passage. Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I've not attained everything I need to attain. I am not exactly where God has me to be, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Do you have some regrets of 2022? Hey, great news. It's behind. Press forward. Reach forth unto the things that are before you, and that's 2023. So in your intro, with 2022 behind us, as well as both our Wednesday p.m. and Sunday a.m. series, the question naturally arises, what's next? What's next for us to study? What's next for our monthly activities? What's next for our summer events? However, before we can discuss any of those things, we need to be reminded of why we exist as a youth ministry. We need a refresher of what our purpose truly is in light of Scripture. When we grasp these fundamentals, the conclusion should be drawn that everything we do revolves around these basic principles. If you recall, it was around this time last year that I did a, a little mini-series to kind of kick things off teaching you guys on who is solid, the history of solid, and what is our mission statement. And I'm not redoing that. I'm actually kind of coming at things from a different perspective. These points, these verses, these passages are completely different, but it should have the same end goal. Who are we? Why do we do the things that we do? And what is that going to look like this coming year for us? And so point number one on your outline, this message really isn't going to be too, too long. Um, but don't let that distract you from being reminded of the simple truths. Remember, a verse I constantly try to keep in front of you guys is Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we ought to take the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them, anybody know what ends? Slip. Slip. Things that you know, the things that you think you got down, the things that you think, oh, I've heard this before, those are the things you need to pay more attention to. And that's what today's message is. And again, it's the Word of God. It doesn't matter how many times you hear it. God's always going to reveal something new to you that you didn't see before, if you have ears to hear so point number one, we're going to look at the four tenets of walking in the Spirit. Out of curiosity, when we talk about tenets, or the core values, the core principles, the core beliefs, if there are four things that by the time you are done with discipleship, you should be established in, out of curiosity, what do you think some of those things are? Faith. Kendall. Like salvation? Yeah. Hopefully, if you're a disciple, you're already saved. Unless you're going through lesson one. 
But as you complete discipleship, as you are maturing and growing in your walk with God, and God's taking you on this spiritual journey, and you are done, you, are, you have finished discipleship, what are four basic things that should be a daily part of your life? How about I word it that way? Jacob? You should be established in the Word. Absolutely. Kagan? Um, praying every day. Absolutely. Those are the first two blanks, by the way. We'll get there. Don't fill them in. Just wait. <laughs> what else, though? So you're in the Word. That's God talking to you. You're in prayer. That's you talking to God. It's like talking to other people. Mm-hmm. What else? That's kind of a two-parter. Actually, we'll stop there. But in Ephesians uh, 2.10, Isabella, why don't you go ahead and read that one? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus in good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. After salvation, it becomes apparent to all of you that there's a plan and a purpose for your life. That God didn't just save you just so you could go to heaven. He saved you so that He can get glory out of your life by you knowing what His plan and purpose is for your life and you actualizing it. You doing something with what He has showed you. And as we've seen before from that passage, it has always been God's plan that once you get saved, you are to do just that. You were created to do those good works. And then Colossians 1.10. Go ahead, and Kendall. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. Being fruitful in every good work. This ties in with Andy's message on Wednesday. Four different soils. Only one brings forth much fruit. There's one that brings forth fruit, but it's not to perfection. That fruit withers away. In other words, there's evidence that shows you're saved. There's evidence that shows, hey, he's growing in, his, in the Lord. He's growing in his walk, but ah, uh, it's like one step forward and two steps back. It doesn't bring forth any fruit that remains. Christ says in John 15 that if he's glorified, you bring forth fruit that remains, fruit that sticks around and doesn't get renewed every single winter and summer at camp. That's the kind of thing he's looking for. In essence, this is what walking with God looks like. That's what we're going to look at in these four points. Letter A. Disciples should be established in the Word. John 8.31 up here on the screen says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You want to know what discipleship is? I got news for you. It's not because you completed a book of 12 lessons, 13 lessons. That's not what discipleship is. Anybody can complete a book. You guys complete books and workbooks and pages every single day of your lives. That's not what discipleship is. That's discipleship. Are you established daily in the Word of God? As Scott put it last week, Job says, I have, neither have I gone back from the commandment of the Lord, nay, I have, or I have uh, esteemed thy word higher or greater than my necessary food. Jeremiah 15, it says that thy words were found and I did eat them. That's how essential God's word was to him on a daily basis. He consumed it. He gobbled it up. He couldn't get enough of it. Do you have a similar appetite? Do you continue therein? That's a tenet of your walk. It's a core fundamental belief of your, of your, of your walk with Christ. You're in 1 John chapter 2. Look with me in verse 12. 
Paul's saying, I write unto you little children. And when he's talking about these different people groups he's going to list here, he's talking about different maturity levels. So a little child would be someone who's immature in their faith. Maybe they're newly saved. Maybe they've never been discipled. But that's what a little child is. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians walking around, maybe, maybe, even in this room here, where the only thing you know is that, hey, praise God, my sins are forgiven. That's not where your spiritual journey is supposed to end. God wants to take you to that next level. And he says in verse 13, I write unto you fathers, someone who spiritually matures, someone who can guide somebody else. It's what a father does. He goes, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. You just don't know aspects of who God is. You know him personally. You don't know just character qualities of him. No, you know the God of the Bible. He speaks to you personally. These aren't just Bible stories that you remember from Sunday school. No, he's speaking to you things that he's not speaking to anybody else about because he knows you. He knows what struggles you have. He knows what issues you deal with on a regular basis. And so as he speaks to you through these stories, he's helping you to deal with your specific problems that it's not going to help anybody else with because they're your problems. Do you see the level of intimacy, the level of personally touching your life from being intimate with God's word? That's what he does. Middle of verse 13, I write unto you young men. So here's our third group. Somewhere in between the little children and the fathers, you have young men. He goes, I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. You know, it might be easy for you guys to think, all right, you know what, young men, that fits me physically, and that fits me spiritually. I'm not, not ready to be a spiritual father to somebody else yet, but I'm also at the same time not a little child. Well, let me ask you, have you overcome temptation in your life? Have you overcome those sins that easily beset you? Because that's what a young man does. That's what that spiritual maturity level is marked by. If not might need to reconsider as to which spiritual level you're at. And again, he says, I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. So this is the second thing he's mentioned about little children. The first thing in verse 12 is, hey, you know your sins are forgiven. And verse 13 is, you know that God's your daddy. You know you belong to God. This is different from the fathers. They don't know aspects. They don't know who God is. They just know that he's my, he's my father. He bought me. I'm saved. That's it. That's why they need to mature. And verse 14, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. He repeats himself. I've written unto you young men, here's the key, because ye are strong and the what? Word of God abideth in you. And he repeats himself for these guys. Ye have overcome the wicked one. So if you're not getting victory over that sin, if you're not getting victory over temptation, here's the key you're missing out on. The Word of God doesn't abide in you. That's why you're not seeing growth. You're not established in the Word of God. Something needs a change in your walk. It is a core tenet of walking in the Spirit. Next, letter B. A disciple should be established in? Thank you. Prayer. Remember, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Jesus talking with us through the Word, us talking with Him through prayer. Luke 18.1, Christ is speaking a parable. 
to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Do you always pray? Do you faint to pray? Is it a struggle for you just to get through like a 30-second prayer? You know what the Bible says about prayer? That each and every single one should have a place. In the Bible, he calls it the closet, the prayer closet. We should have a place where we go that we're alone, we're away from all the distractions of the world, we're not getting dings and notifications, we're not hearing TV in the background, we're not hearing our brothers and sisters fight or anything like that. No, we're quiet, we're in a solitude place where we can just be alone with God and just speak to Him. Do you have that? Are you established in that? Or is it only three times a day before each meal? And maybe at night? And then a quick flare prayer whenever you're in need of something. Can you imagine if you only, well, some of you actually, you only do talk to your parents that way. Three times a day and when you need something. That's not much of a relationship. Ephesians 6.18. This is part of our armor of God. He says, praying how often? Always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for who? All saints. That's praying for everybody in this room. When was the last time you went through a list of our roster, took a snapshot of our sign-in sheet back there and went through and prayed for everybody on it? Imagine how different our weeks would be if we did that for each other. Letter C. A disciple should be established in witnessing. That's what Acts 1.8 says, that after you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power and ye shall be witnesses unto Jerusalem. That was the immediate area they were in. That's our Jackson Township, so to speak. For those of you guys, wherever your school is, that's your Jerusalem. That's your land. You were to be witnesses there. And he says unto Judea, the second place. That was the surrounding areas. So it'd be like the state of Ohio. Some of you guys that travel for your sports or whatever competitions you're in, are you a light at those places? Sometimes our church, we take missions trips to other places near here and do discipleship conferences. We've helped establish discipleship in I think at least two churches in the state of Ohio. Not counting the churches we've actually sent out from here. That'd be your Judea. Samaria, that'd be like the continental United States. It's land. It's a little bit bigger. We've had opportunities to do that before. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's where you'd be a witness to. And that's where there's overseas missions trips elsewhere. Are you established in that? Yeah, it's a little bit harder to do Ohio, the United States, and the uttermost parts. So let me just ask this. How are you doing in your Jerusalem? Because we're going to see here in a little bit, if you're not faithful in the little things, God's not going to give you the bigger things. If we're not faithful with what God has given us here, we're not going to go on to the uttermost. And letter D, disciples should be established in service. Look up here at John 13, verses 14 and 15. This is how Jesus begins, check this out, this is how Jesus begins His final discipleship lesson with His disciples. Because John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, it's mostly all Christ talking. It's at the Last Supper. 
John 18 is when they go to the garden and when he gets betrayed. 19 is crucified. These five chapters begins here in chapter 13. It's the final discipleship lesson. And here's how he kicks off it. He washes their feet. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, served you, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. When you finish discipleship, you should be established in service. Because the twelve disciples were. That's the pattern that Christ set forth. Serving others. There are various different ministries in this church body that you could serve in. Many of you already do. But what about serving each other? What about calling somebody in this youth ministry that you've not seen in a couple weeks? Not texting, calling. And if they don't pick up, send them a text. How you doing? Haven't seen you in a while. Things okay? Anything I'd be praying for you about? Hey, we're about to go have wings. You, you want to come with us? Hey, we're about to go do scrapbooking. What, what, are they, what, do you get, what do you guys what do? You guys do? Yeah, you're, all right. So, guys and girls, we're all going out for wings. Love it. Point is, are you having those conversations? Are you having those conversations? That's one way you can serve. Look at verse, you're in chapter 2 of 1 John. Look at verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him, it's John 15, abide in me as I abide in you. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. These are the things that Christ did. He served. He was the master. And he served his disciples. If you say you abide in Him, if you say you are walking in the Spirit, you're walking with God, have a relationship with Him, is this a tenet of your walk? Is this a core fundamental part of your day-to-day -day life with Christ? That's really it. And when you guys do adult discipleship after you graduate from here, you'll see these are the four things that are going to be hammered again and again to you. Are you established in the Word of God? Are you established in prayer? Are you established in sharing your faith with others? And are you established in the work of the Lord? That's it. Everything we do here is centered around these four tenets, these four core beliefs. Everything. Think about it. Think about what it is that we do here. Think about what it is that you're involved in. I guarantee you it all funnels back through these four points. You can boil and whittle it down to this. And so when it comes to us as a youth ministry, everything, and I don't know if you actually have thought about this before, everything that we subsequently do should fall in at least one, if not all four of these buckets. Everything. From the lessons that we do to even the activities that we do. You'll have flyers later on this week after we get the details down about our February activity. We're going to go snow tubing. We haven't done that in a while. I'm actually kind of excited to do that. But here's the thing. If you guys wanted to, you can go snow tubing today. You can go snow tubing on Tuesday. Heck, if you wanted to, you can go snow tubing on Friday. Point being, you can do that any day of the week, anytime you want. 
we don't do that activity just for us all to go snow tubing together. There's a reason behind it. Is there some great spiritual application of snow tubing? No. But maybe this will help make sense as we go into letter into number two. How these tenets work out in our ministry. Check out Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Scott mentioned this last week, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know what's interesting? That, that verse kind of has a dual application. Yeah, it's the same as 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves daily whether you be in the faith. You yourself personally need to work out your own salvation. Am I actually in the faith? Am I genuinely saved? But the other application is, okay, for those of you who have obeyed, and this is really, I guess I would say, the actual application here. He's talking about those who have obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Do you only obey when your parents and leaders are around? Then yeah, you better work out your own salvation. But he says here, work out. In other words, get your salvation out of you. Work it out. It's what Isabella and Kendall read in Colossians and Ephesians. We are to work what God has done in us out. And we're to do it with fear and trembling because of the great stakes and the great costs that are here. The fact, that, again, Sammy, the, the testimony that you had last night of sharing your faith, AJ, you sharing your faith, that is huge because it's a seed planted and God's word does not return void. There are times where I'll have witnessing opportunities where I'm like, man, that fell short. Man, I should have said this, or I could have been more bold here. I could have done that. I don't know if you guys are the same way or not, but get that out of your head. If you at least were bold enough to open your mouth, the Spirit of God will take over from there. Like Andy was saying on Wednesday, we're just called to sow the seed. Like a farmer does. Throw it down on the ground. And let the Spirit direct it as He does. But we do it with fear and trembling because, man, that's not just my friend that I'm trying to make sure I get all the answers right to what I'm saying to. And that's not just I'm wanting to get them to come to church. No, that is a soul at stake whom Christ died for. So if I read my Bible, and when I pray for that person, and when I practice sharing my faith, and when I do service projects to try to strengthen and train me up, it is with this fear and trembling because I know of the great cost that comes into play with everybody I encounter with the gospel. That souls are at stake. Eternity is in the balance with everybody we come in contact with. And so if we're not adhering to these four tenets, if we're not establishing them daily in our lives, if we're not working them out with fear and trembling, then something needs to change. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Keeping in mind that He's going to take care of us. We just need to be willing vessels. And so in letter A, how does this work out? How, what is it, how does it work out practically that we're established in the Word of God? Letter A, discipling others in the junior high as well as in the senior high. It is just natural that you guys would reach out to junior hires, and when there's a junior hire who needs to be discipled, that you would disciple them. But you're not limited to just that. Some of you in here are discipling senior hires. 
Some of you are discipling classmates of yours. That's okay. It shows that you're growing. It shows you're mature enough. It shows that you're ready to. You're established in the Word, and you're helping get others established in the Word. That's our great commission right there, Matthew 28 and 2 Timothy 2. 2. Letter B. We have activities. For fun? No. Activities to build bonds and to draw the lost to see Christianity fleshed out. A disciple who's established in prayer will be praying for these activities right before you go to them. Lord, let me have good fellowship with my brothers and sisters. Let me encourage and spur them on to love and good works. And let me be a light to any lost guests that are here. Let me ask, when was the last time you prayed that before we had an activity? I know for me, you know, again, we last couple of activities we've had, it's been more kind of interpersonal. A progressive dinner, a Christmas party. We still had guests at those, and amen for that. But I know for me, I know I want us to do more activities that are a little bit more lost-friendly, where it's more uh, getting people to come in and, and, and want to be here so that they can see what Christianity looks like. That it's not just about following a whole bunch of rules. Like the witnessing opportunities you guys had this week. That's the mindset of the people you go to school with. So when they come to the activities, what they should see is a bond, a three-chord bond that cannot be broken. They should see a brotherhood and a sisterhood here, and that shows them, I'm missing what they have, and I need to know what it is. That's why we do the things that we do. So again, let me ask, how have you been? Has that been your heart and your mindset going into these activities? Are you building bonds with each other? Are you seeking to display your faith for all of the guests? Are you going out of your way to say hi and greet guests? I get it. It's awkward. Any of you guys shaking my hands and seeing how clammy they sometimes get? Yes. <laughs> Imagine what it's like for me going up and introducing myself to somebody. I get it. But you know what? It's not about us. It's about us. And not to contradict. It's not about us and how we feel. It's about establishing these core tenets of what we believe in our walk with God for the sake of reaching the lost. I don't know if you've thought about it like that or not. Every activity we do. Everything is geared around this. Because we want to see people established in the Word of God and in prayer and witnessing to others and then in service, discipling others to do the same. Every activity. Everything we do. Check out Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another to provoke unto anger, to tick each other off. No. To provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You know what that word exhort means? It means to build up, not to tear down. To build up. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's why we have activities. That's why we gather on Wednesdays and on Sundays. That's why we have other Bible studies throughout the year. 
You guys are in 1 John still, right? Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. When you start a sentence off like that, it should perk up your ears. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He, Jesus, is presently, so are we presently, where? In this world. Are you Jesus to somebody else? You guys realize that you guys go to schools and you might be the only light that somebody has. No, there's this person who calls themselves a Christian. Uh, there's these people that call themselves Christians at my school. There's this person. and I really so desperately want to go back through Revelation again. I swear I would so prefer to do Revelation every single year rather than biblical relationships, which has been the trend of the senior high ministry for so long. Just because for us to, to go back through church history and for us to see just how little time we actually have left as you see the day approaching. But you guys know what day it is. You guys know where it's at on God's timetable and His time clock of what the church is like and so-called professing Christians are like in this day and age. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you might be the only light that, are at, that is at your school. And if you're gone... It's going to fall into complete and utter darkness and chaos. And if there's more of you in one particular school, it just means that there's that much more people that you need to reach. And it should be easier. So are we doing it? Are we demonstrating to others that we belong to Him? Or are we acting no different than our guests? Let her see. Disciples should be established in witnessing. How do we do that? Through church, school, and home Bible studies, as well as personal corporate evangelistic opportunities. Mall ministry. The, the opportunities you guys just shared today. To share our, our faith. To study to show ourselves approved. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready Always to give an answer of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear to everyone that asketh. Reverse those parts at the end there. Look it up later if you don't believe me. Letter D. Or, well, before I go on to that, that's why we have the Bible studies that we're going over. Even, ladies, your girls' Bible study that you're going through right now. Yeah, it's a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more devotional in nature. But just think about it. Man, you could take that study... And show it to somebody at school about what a true, genuine relationship should look like and how it should mirror your relationship with Christ. You could use that in his evangelistic opportunity. All of our studies should be evangelistic in nature. Yeah, even the more devotional ones. Some lend themselves to be more evangelistic than others. And that's why I usually try to reserve that for the Wednesday night series. Because it's easier for your friends to come out. Not so much easier for them to wake up in the morning. Everything we do, there's a why behind it. Even the Bible studies and what studies we do. Everything. Letter D. Disciples should be established in service. That's why in letter D we do service projects. For two reasons. Number one, to deny ourselves. That's what Luke 9.23 says. Take up your cross. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Daily and follow me. 
in Luke 16.10. That's the other passage where I mentioned earlier. Actually, let's turn over there. Luke 16.10. Service projects that we do help train us for future missions, for bigger missions, for VBS, which is reaching our Jerusalem, for other activities, for other mission trips and opportunities that we have on the horizon. It helps train us. However, verse 10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. If we're not faithful in the little service projects that God gives us, how on earth is He going to entrust us with something bigger? You can apply that to multiple areas in your life. And E, we have winter and summer camps to refresh us in the above four tenets. We can do this real quick. It's the last passage. Uh, turn over to Matthew 14. We're going to hit all three of these. It's right here in the Gospels. Just be quick with your fingers. This encourages me to see this. It's so easy to skip over when we're reading the Gospels. Matthew 14. Read it for verse 23. Sammy. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and sorry. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Hmm. Even Christ himself sent people away so he could retreat. So he can go up into a mountain to pray. He had a solitude place that he went to to get alone and be with his father. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 35. Read it for that. Bless you. How about a dude? Mason. Uh, in the and in the morning, rising up a great while hmm. before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Does it say that a great while early in the morning that Jesus got up and read 13 chapters of his Bible? No. So for those of you struggling to get up in the mornings to do that, how about just get up in the morning and pray? Might have to do it with your eyes open and it'll be okay. But try that. Your Savior did. He retreated. He got away from everything that was going on in the world, from all the distractions of this world, all the noise. He got away and got alone with God. In each of these times... And actually, let's turn back over to Luke 5. Each of these times that Christ did it, He went back down and ministered. He was refreshed. He was rejuvenated. He was ready to reach forth with what God had given Him. So how's your week been since you just came back from a retreat? Beautiful thing is, you can retreat daily. Verse 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. So conclusion, told you I didn't this early. How did you do with the above in 2022? 
Were they done with the right heart attitude? Ask yourself that. Don't just fill it in as a blank. Don't just leave it as a blank. Ask yourself that. Did I have the right heart attitude when I did any of these things? Follow-up question, and there is a difference. Were they done with the right heart motive? Did you seek to gain something out of it? Did you seek to gain recognition out of it? And please don't miss this last question. Are there any areas that you can do better as we reach forth to what's ahead in 2023? You might want to underline that and you might want to ponder that very hard this week and pray about that and come back next Sunday at 9 a.m. because this might just come up again in our vision meeting with Pastor Tom, where he talks about this, about us doing things better, and specifically doing better with what God has given us right here. Doing better with where you personally are at in your schools, the ministries that you guys are a part of, all of it. Can we do better? Can Solid do better? I know I've been challenged on that. We're going to have a leaders meeting not too long from now where we talk about how can the activities be better? How can our messages be better? What other things can we do to be better with what God has given us here? How can you improve on these, these things above in the areas that impact your land that God has given you?